0: How many of you, who can tell me what pastor's been speaking on? Radical. Radical life. Other elder, sorry. (laughs) If there's more than one elder in the room, you've got to tell which elder it is. About a month ago when um, pastor asked me to speak, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to speak on who am I? Who am I? Now that can be taken several ways. That can be taken God asking who am I? But That's not what he wants me to ask you. Who are you? And he said, you don't ask me enough, who are you? You don't ask me, God, who am I? And I said, no, no, I really don't. I just assume who I am. How many of you are willing, if you're a believer, to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's one who am I. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21. And you know, there have been places where pastor has asked us to speak these words, has he not? And so when I looked for the scripture, I couldn't find it because it's not in that exact statement. What 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he has made Jesus to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So when I'm in Christ, then I can indeed say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So those of you that are willing And ready, because you see, a lot of times pastor says, say this, and we do. But do we mean it? So I want those of you who know, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, to say that. Ready? One, two, three. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now you know something about yourself. That's an I am. In Midrash, which won't be tomorrow, by the way, if you're planning to come, it'll be next Monday at 2. We were discussing the fact that if, you remember the mouth? This is the year of of the mouth. If God said, let there be light, and there was light, that's the power of the spoken word. That's the power of your mouth. Well, when you say, I am then that's a declaration from the Father through the Son out into the atmosphere, and that thing is born. You see, now that you've spoken those words, the demonic forces have heard them, and they know that declaration about you. Now it's yours to walk it out. You need to begin to show forth. I need to begin to show forth that I am indeed the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's not just something I've spoken. It's something that is a fact about me, that Father in me has spoken out into the atmosphere. 1 Corinthians 1:30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. There's righteousness again, sanctification and redemption. Here are three other things besides righteousness that you can say, I am. I am wisdom. Can that be true? Can you become more and more wise? That's a true statement that you can become more wise because you are supposed to be growing maturing in Christ are you not therefore that says tomorrow I will be wiser than I am today tomorrow I will be more sanctified than I am today tomorrow I will be more redeemed than I am today I spoke about the doctrines of man We, as a group of believers, the body of Christ has become very out of alignment with God. Because when we come to church, when we come to a gathering, we come with the expectation that we will be fed. And that's the only time we're going to get fed. It's the pastor's responsibility to feed me. This, it really put me back when my daughter said, I was talking to a friend and she's leaving this church because she's not getting any meat. Whose responsibility is the meat? I'm just saying. It's not Pastor Damien's job. It's not Pastor Jim's job. It's not my job. It's not anyone in this room's job to feed you meat. It is the Holy Spirit's job to feed your meat to you. But he is not going to put it in a bottle. Is he going to lead you places where you can learn some things? Yes, indeed, he will. But if you come into this house and you never hear something that you've already heard during the week, you're out of order. You're out of order with the Holy Spirit. Because man has taught us that it is the pastor's job. It's the pastor's job to do everything, you know. They're supposed to go and visit the sick. They're supposed to go and pray for this person. They're supposed to be up all night talking on the phone to this one that is in despair. Or do you see how men's doctrines have been allowed to be established and the body of Christ has gotten so far out of alignment with the word of God? You see, if you allow that doctrine to exist after today, that's on you. Because your ears have now heard, it's my job to dig out the meat here. With the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit. When I was talking about communion, I said the Holy Spirit knows what's coming. The Holy Spirit knows why you were sent here. He knows your purpose. He knows your destiny. He knows what you need to know. And if you don't get in here and let him give you the words of life and light that you need to become who he sent you to be, then you're going to depend on Pastor Damien knowing who you're supposed to be. You're depending on Pastor Jim to know what your destiny is, the fullness. Apostle, when I first came here, he'd say, oh, sis, the things I see you doing But he never told me, not one thing. Because he's not the Holy Spirit. He knew he wasn't the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit revealed some things to him. But I know that I know that that man prayed over the things he saw. And that's what we are in community for. To encourage, we don't come here to hear one word. We come here to encourage each other. If we learn something along the way, well and good. If the Holy Spirit sends me here and I hear one thing for the sermon to validate what he's already shown me during the week, what he's already shown me in the past months, then well and good. But I need to be here to see, oh, Sister Beth is depressed today and I'm just using her because she's a friend and I know she'll, <laughs> she'll know that's not right. And if I see her in that place and the Holy Spirit can lead me over to pray with her and then I can continue to pray. You see, that's the purpose of coming together as a group of believers. He should be able to send you into any church. But the reality is no, he cannot do that because not many churches are walking in the doctrines of God. They're walking in the form of law and doctrines of men. There are so much tightness in some groups of believers that as soon as you walk through the door, you're condemned. My beloved, that ought not to be. And that's in there somewhere. Amen? I'd like to look at a couple of radical people because you have to expect if you're going to follow your purpose and destiny that your life is going to become radical. Why is that an expectation that I must have? Because Christ was radical. Is it true? Were there many like him on the earth? There was no one like him before he came. Guess what? In the days ahead, when you enter into a group, there should not be anyone like you that's been there before. Because Christ in you is Christ plus you. You see, he's taken everything that you are, and he has turned it for good. Now, I've never heard it spoken like that before because that just popped out. But you see, everything that I am now, if it doesn't line up with this word, needs to shift so that I become. Tomorrow I must become more than I am today. You must become more tomorrow than you are today. The expectation is that when we work with Holy Spirit, that we become a my name's Melissa. A Melissa Christ to the earth. Put your name in there. Christ in you. Christ plus you. Is what the earth needs at this moment. Because there is a hole in the body of Christ with your name on it. Now the problem is most of us don't fit in the final hole yet. Let's look at a couple people. Let's look at Moses. And that takes us down to Exodus chapter 3. Where was Moses raised? Egypt? In the house of the king. In the house of Pharaoh. But he had a double-minded thing going on there because his mother, who was a Hebrew Israelite, was responsible for helping to raise him. So he got a mega dose of the world, but yet he was taught the things of God. And so when you, you think, okay, he killed a man. Oh, murderer, murderer. But you see what happened after that? He had to... Leave the world. God can use anything to get us where we need to be. He left Pharaoh's house and he went out into the desert. And for 40 years, God worked on Moses, presented himself in a burning bush. You remember that story? Presented himself in a burning bush and said, I am. And introduced himself to Moses. Moses. How many of you have come across the burning bush where God spoke out of it? No. Nah, me neither. Real, yeah. Yes, not spiritually. No. Um, so when he was sent into his wilderness experience, he began to walk in his destiny because it was there. You see, he, he learned about God in Egypt. We can learn about Jesus in the world. But that's not what God needs us to do. God needs us to know Jesus. God needs us to know the Holy Spirit. God needs us to know who he is as the Father because we've gotten to learn who Jesus and the Holy Spirit are. And they came to reveal the Father to us. So as we begin to grow in knowing then we begin to walk in our destiny. Chapter 3 of Exodus. I don't know. I like the big letters better than my little ones. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? He'd already met God, right? Right? So this is at a later time, and he said, certainly, certainly I will be with you. What did God say? And then you have chapters where Moses argues with him about what's going to happen. That I have sent you. Um, when you have brought forth this people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. Go on to the next one. In 14 says, God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, you will say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent you. Why would Moses have to identify himself to the people of Israel? Why would he have to speak God's name? Don't you think it would be enough if someone came to me I would think it would be enough. Instead, Christ has sent me. But he had to identify to Israel who God was. They didn't even remember him. They didn't know his name. Why would God not want? They had been in the world too long in Egypt, you see. Okay, so let's go to chapter 4. In Genesis. I'm going to start in verse 10. Exodus 4, I beg your pardon. That's probably why I couldn't find it. Here, here he is, he's arguing. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither therefore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, who has made man's mouth? He already told him I will be with you. Well, now he's getting into the nitty gritty. Or who maketh the dumb or deaf and seeing of the blind? Have not I the Lord made them? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Still not enough. Still not enough. He went on and on and argued until God gave him Aaron to speak. People of God, we cannot afford to go from chapter 3 clear on to where he went. We can't afford the time that it takes to argue with God. If he says a thing to us, then it has got to be a certainty in our heart that the Holy Spirit is going to take care of it. And I don't have to know. What did he say? I will, I will give you what to speak. That says to me, oh, he'll give me what to speak. I've learned that over many years behind this pulpit. The first time was with fear and trepidation. But over time, the Holy Spirit began to give me what to say. Because I'll tell you, if you looked at what was written down here, you would say, well, we started in the middle. But you see, we might not have started at all. We might have just stayed in the holy, holy, casting our crowns before the throne. It's what does he need to know that we know? What does does he need us to know that he knows? There we go. So Moses, was he a radical man? Was Moses radical? Once he got out of himself. Because when you look at the end of Moses' life, you see a man who God says, hit the water with the rod. Now, he did make a mistake with the water one time. You see, but for the most part, God spoke. He did. How many of us would like to lead those millions of people in a desert not knowing where you're going? Did he have a radical life? He sure did. Where was Jesus? Was this a, lot, a radical life with Jesus? No, this was a radical life with the Father, with the Godhead, you see. He knew them intimately to the point where God said, come up the mountain, and he was excited to come up the mountain and spend time learning more about him. Let's look at Elijah. Elijah. Now, how many of you know something about Elijah? Nobody knows Elijah? You guys a prophet. Okay. This is, I'm an interactive person. Was he radical? Oh, my goodness, he was radical. If he was in in this time and century, people would call him a homeless person. Because he didn't have a home that I read. His name was Elijah the Tishbite. And Tishbite, guess what? It means sojourner, stranger. That pretty much fits him, doesn't it? Isn't God funny? God is just humorous if you look at it. Okay, so in First Kings chapter 18, we, you don't have to go there. It's the story about where he brought all the prophets of Baal up there after Ahab. He'd gone to Ahab about the water and said, okay, look, let's go up the mountain. You bring your prophets. Anybody know how many? 850, 850, yeah. There were two groups of prophets. 400 is one of the numbers. And then what did he do? Do Yeah, had dumped water on on the altar. Yep. They they did all kinds of things try to get the fire lit. How many of us so know our God that we could make the statement, douse it with water? Put all of that on there and know that we know that we know that He will send the fire. How many of us know him to that degree? But we will. If you're willing to, I I want you to say, but I will. We must begin to know our God. Because how can you bring healing to someone if you don't have enough faith that he will do that healing, that you can speak it forth under his unction and it will happen? That's where he needs to get us as believers. Elijah was radical because he knew a radical God. And because he knew his God, he did radical things. And then this little man that God attached to him, Elisha, came along and he said, Hey, I've been watching. I've been seeing. I want twice as much. He had a double portion of knowing what his God could do. And so God sent him to do twice as much. Do you want the twice as much? Most of us haven't gotten to the one. So if you want the twice as much, you're going to have to start growing a lot and a lot in your knowledge of who he is. Christ in us is the hope of, what does that mean to us? What does it mean? What that means to me is that so many of men's doctrines have gotten away, that have gotten away from the primary commandment of Jesus, go. Do you remember a lot of this started with Pastor Damien's go? But it was, past, it was Apostle Tibbs' go first. It just couldn't get out of first gear. So it's not either one of their goes. Whose go is it? Go into the world and give them the gospel. I went into Panera, such a precious young lady behind the counter, and I told her she had such a sweet spirit, and invited her to church. And she said, you know, I really would like to come. Tell me where it is. I'll come Sunday. And I said, this is no not, not being confident in God, you see. Oh, you don't want to come because the pastor's not speaking. And yet, time and time again, we've been said, whoever's behind this pulpit is bringing the word of God. And yet, my confidence in that was lacking. And the Holy Spirit said, what, you don't think you have the word? And that's my past insecurities, you see, coming to the forefront. Huh, guess we have a little bit of work to do with that, huh? David, was David radical? Did David sin? Yes. Where did David acquire the heart of God? Alone with his God on the hills alone by himself. There may have been others around, but he was a solitary man who got to know his God because he saw God perform many things for him. He made up songs to his God. His relationship with his God was profound, but God sent him here to be a king, not a shepherd. That was his destiny and purpose. But the relationship with God was cemented in the midst of him prior to him walking forth in his destiny. When he began to be among the world, when he came from knowing his God one-on-one, that's when he began to sin. Not that he didn't have sins before, trust me, but the ones in here where he climbed up on the roof and and looked down and began adulterous and murdering. Those things began after he became king. When God had set him into the place of leading his nation. So, it's easy to make sometimes a good beginning, but then a poor end. But I do not intend to make a poor end of this thing. The older I get, the more I say, oh, there's less time, less time for me to go, less time for me to so know him that the go will be easy, the staying will be hard. David was an Ephrathite, and Ephrathite means fruitful. And they believe that the town of Ephrath is the same town as Bethlehem, just renamed later. And Bethlehem means the house of bread. First Samuel 17 talks about David going into the Israelites' camp. He wasn't an old person. And I'm not going to try to tell you how old he was. But he wasn't very he was not old enough to be in the army. He was old enough to take care of the sheep and he comes from that knowledge of his God into a camp where nothing but fear and despair dwelled, and the fear and despair had no power or ability, even his brother's words of negativity towards him. they did not have the ability to change his mindset on who his God was, and what his God could do. And when someone blasphemed his God, he had no problem taking care of it. Do we know our God to that degree? We must. In the days ahead, our faith is going to be tried. It's going to become against. It has to, precious ones, because we have been much blessed. But my Bible says, if you follow me into the trials, if you follow me into the persecutions, you will be put upon by those round about you. That that Christ walked through is our future. But do we know God? Do we know Jesus? Do we know the Holy Spirit sufficiently? To stand strong when he's besmirched, when when someone speaks against him, are we going to be quiet? Because you see, that's why we're partly why we're in the mess that we're in. Because Christians have been quiet. Is there fear in your camp? To open your mouth. This is the 10 years of the mouth, of the speaking forth, what God gives you to speak. Do you trust that the power and authority of Christ in you speaking from your mouth has the ability to do what it says it will do? My word says his word will not return void. That's what it says. And so if he gives me something to speak and I don't speak it, ooh, I've been there, done that. It's not good. You're better off to open your mouth and just let it come out. And then see what God does with it. Because that's how he builds us. That's how he grows us as Christians. As believers. That's how he grows us. So when we look at ourselves in the days ahead, And I encourage you in your time with God, ask him, who am I today? Who am I today? Has my assignment shifted? Have I gone from being um, a harp player in the courts of, of Saul? Have I gone from there to being a king? What do you have for me to do now? 2 Corinthians 4, 5, and 6 is in the New Living Translation. I'm just going to wait for him to put it up there. (laughs) This is Paul. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. Chapter 3, verse 18. Do you have that one? I may have to dig it out. I put little pink sticky notes on there. (laughs) It's there, thank you. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are what? What's the next word? Changed. We all are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Who did it? Who's doing it? The Spirit of the Lord is changing us into the same image. Whose image? Go a little deeper. Christ. He's changing us into the image of Christ. Christ and me... Does not look like Christ in you, but it has the same attributes. Christ in me is love, but the way I express my love is to grab you around the shoulders and hug you. You may not be that. What does your love look like? It looks like whatever Christ in you is. Who's doing the work? The Spirit of the Lord, not the pastor. If you don't get a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, you're going to have a hard time growing because then you're going to try to grow up and look like Christ in me. Hello? Why are we trying to look like each other when we have been sent for an individual purpose? Our destiny is not the same. It is only the same in the aspect that we give glory to him, that our life, gives off oh, a sweet incense. You see the things we do in obedience to what he's given us to do. Those are an incense, an odor. Can you smell it? No. Probably not, but he does. What we do, a singe before his throne, and it's either going to be pleasing or it's not going to be pleasing. How many of you have ever smelled Sulfur. That's the demonic. And when we're not obedient to God, that's the incense that we give off. That's what ascends to the throne is the demonic odor. It's not a sweet incense. None of us want to be around someone who smells like nasty. Right? Encourage each other in the Lord. Holy Spirit, you need to do it. But if I don't take it upon myself to get alone with the Holy Spirit, to read Jesus. How much of Jesus do you know? Pastors can only present so much to us, but it may not be the portion of Christ that I need to know to come to a good end in my destiny. Only the Holy Spirit knows those portions of this word that will begin to mature me and to be able to walk the walk, to talk the talk that I need to in this earth. Hmm. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. It's actually right up here. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heaven-laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. It's not until you allow him to yoke yourselves to him that you will learn of him. It's only as he is this close and you can't get away that that determination with your heart is, I will not leave his side. That's when we can learn the nuances of his love. The depths of his compassion. The, the highest heights of his mercy and grace and long suffering. Every attribute that he is comes in being yoked to him. Look at one more man. Paul. You think Paul was radical? A little bit. (laughs) I was looking at a timeline because, you know, I thought, okay, Jesus died and then Paul got kicked off his horse. (laughs) Not so. Paul was probably 30 years behind Christ's death when he began to walk. I spent ten of that at the feet of a teacher called Gamaliel, learning the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of this word. The first five books. The Jewish young men are taught the first five books. They're taught to memorize the word. Did Paul know some things about God? Ten years worth. He had all that information. And then he went on a persecution spree. Did God have destiny and purpose for ten years under the feet of Gamaliel? He allowed him to sit at the man's feet and learn the Torah. The information was in his head. It just needed tweaked so that it could drop into his heart in perfect form. So much, so much, so much. You see, I've been in church my whole life. I've learned a lot of things. But I want you to know that much of it Besides, Jesus Christ is my Savior, became doctrines of men. Even speaking in tongues became a doctrine of a man. We've taken it and we've used it to beat people up. We've taken doctrines of of baptism. We've taken doctrines of communion. We've allowed men and women to make them doctrines of men the truths of God twisted to become a law. John Wesley, who began the Methodist Church, it was truth, it was truth, but men and women have twisted it into a denomination that has opened itself up to much of the demonic. Who knows the doctrines of men in your life? Who knows the doctrines of men that have become established in my life? The Holy Spirit. And he knows when those doctrines need to fall. I don't know when your doctrines need to fall. But I do know that they need to bow their knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because they can't stand because they're false lies. Based in a truth. And they have the ability to kill, steal, and destroy because they're not pure. They've left the holy and they've walked in the mud and the mire. There is an element of truth. You should take communion, you should be baptized. But what if there's no water? How do you baptize someone without water? Are they not going to heaven? Some would say yes. The only thing that will keep you out of heaven is when you don't validate God's son. When you ignore the blood and its purpose. When those things come together, that is the only thing that will keep you out of heaven if you don't have it. If you never take communion in your life, but you yet know that God is God and Christ is Christ and Holy Spirit is Holy Spirit. And they lead me and they guide me into all truth. Don't you think somewhere along the line, if those three are leading you, that you will stumble across communion? That the Holy Spirit will put it into your heart? My brother is 70 years old and has never been baptized, but he will be on the 19th. it it is amazing it is amazing that this time in his life the Holy Spirit has come upon him and said it's time to make that statement who can tell you that you can only be baptized once if you have a new declaration of where you're walking in in the Holy Spirit in Christ if if you've lived your life and you're in a new place Who am I to say, no, you've already done it once. Every time the message of salvation goes forth across this pulpit, I speak those words. I speak those words because I want to be sure. I don't want any chance at all, you see. Mm. And it just re-solidifies in my heart what I believe about Jesus. How can that hurt? How can I sit and judge someone else who says it over and over again? My Bible says, work out your own soul's salvation. Ah. When Paul fell off his donkey, got knocked off, and spent a, a period of time blind, He was sent to Damascus. And I had known that he spent three years. How long was Christ on the earth? And his ministry was three and a half years. Three and a half years for the disciples to become apostolic. Three years for Paul. He set himself apart. To take everything that Gamaliel put here and let the Holy Spirit drop it here. At the end of three years with just Paul and the Holy Spirit. He knew that he knew that he knew who his God was. Because he'd spent years persecuting, persecuting the one that loved him most. Radical. He had a radical life. Let's go to Galatians chapter one, and uh, we're just going to read it, verse eleven through eighteen, and then I have one more scripture, and then we're going to sing. He is worthy of most, worthy of it all, worthy of it all. That's the one, right, Kim? But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Be careful when you hear the gospel to let the Holy Spirit align it with the word. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is Paul's testimony. For you have heard of my conversion in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when, catch it, when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, to reveal his son in me. Jesus was already there. Jesus in all of his ultimate end is already here. The mature Christ, there's no baby Jesus in me. There's no baby Jesus in you. He is just in the process of revealing his son, in the fullness of who you need him to be. It's in here. That I might preach him among the heathen. Go, go. Immediately I conferred, not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. After three years, I went to Jerusalem. Be careful who you run to. If you don't go to Holy Spirit first, if we don't, if I don't, Holy Spirit has got to become our go-to person because there is no guarantee of life. It is appointed to every man wants to die. Every one of us will die. Could be. A meteor could fall on the church building in the next 10 minutes. It's appointed. My son-in-law is in ICU at St. Rita's with COVID. But it's not his time to die. God is building him. I just, I know. And if it is, it is. But I'm standing that it's not because I've seen the hand of God moving in my daughter to grow her from glory to glory, faith to faith. He's raising up us, all of us, in his most holy faith. None of it was ever our faith to begin with. He gave to us from his faith, such as we needed. But if you don't ever pull on the faith you've got, he's not going to trust you with more. But if you pull and you pull and you pull, he will pour and he will pour and he will pour and you will become a great person of faith because there will be much for your faith to do. Holy Spirit is trying to teach us all this. When we come to the end of who we are, when we come to the end of what we know, When we come to the end of what we can do. When we step into who he is. When we step into what he knows. When we step into what he can do. Then we will become the body of Christ. And members in particular. But until we say Holy Spirit I don't want the trials that gets me to the end of what I know what to do you see I knew how to play the violin he said go to Romania and I'm gonna teach you to play the violin I had a lot of knowledge and understanding up here how to play that thing but I couldn't play the songs of heaven I couldn't play The songs that would release the anointing into a group of people. I couldn't play the songs that sent forth healing. I had to go and submit and learn from him how to do that. One of my daughter's hugest hurdles, is she's a nurse. I said, sweetie, you don't know enough to heal, Michael. There's no information or knowledge that you have in your head that can keep him alive. There is only standing in faith on the word of God that says that he's a healer. There is only laying down what she knows and trusting. When she, he first went in, she was talking as a widow talked. And her sister said, Look here, lady. You cannot speak this way. He is still in the land of the living. He still has life within him to go forward. And precious ones, we've got to begin to see the doctrines of men with us. And we've got to say, you are dead. You have no more power and authority. But those things that are small within us, if there's a mustard seed of faith within you, you need to begin to pray over that mustard seed for you. You need to begin to speak life. Mustard seed, you will grow. You will grow. You will become a large tree because there are birds that need to build their nests in you. And besides that, God has another mustard seed to plant in me for a larger tree. Do you see where this all goes? But it all starts with letting our minds shift out of into him. I step into you, Lord, and I step out of me. Philippians chapter 3. And I'm going to close with this. Do you see how great our God is? Do you see how much he deserves the glory, any amount of glory that might reside in me? I've got to give it back to him. I do mean to say that I've already achieved these things. or well, that I have already reached perfection. But I press. We have got to become pressers. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me.